On March 3rd, 1969, the United States Navy established an elite school for the top 1% of its pilots. Its purpose was to teach the lost art of aerial combat and to ensure that the handful of men and women who graduated were the best fighter pilots in the world. They succeeded. Today, the Navy calls it Fighter Weapons School. The Flyers call it Top Gun. That's uh, that's pretty hoppy for for 60 IBUs. Expired hey. in January. Hey, your boys <laughs> saw TG Mav, and that means it's time for another spoiler cast. That's right. This is the Pool Scene Podcast, and established last week on part one of our Top Gun set. I'm Kevin, but my call sign is Devil. I'm joined by Jim, whose call sign is Bandit. What's up, Devil? We're uh, totally on the aircraft carrier, right. and the you know we're we're not getting deployed. And now for the third time, we are covering a movie still in theaters. So obviously, we're going to be discussing the plot and the film in detail. Everything. The film, of course, is Top Gun Maverick, TG Mav, as I like to call it. I would highly recommend seeing it in a theater before we spoil it for you. So this would be a good place to stop. Spoilers are inbound. Spoilers are inbound. This is a spoiler alert. Spoilers are coming. What do we have here? Yeah, here I thought we were special. Fellas, this here's Bagman. Hangman. Whatever. What the hell kind of mission is this? Everyone here is the best there is. Who the hell are they going to get to teach us? Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell. And welcome back. If you've paused to go see the movie and are now ready to hear our thoughts, I like to imagine that some of you literally paused. I hope so. Drove directly to the theater, saw the movie, and then just turned our podcast. I hope you guys did because there were a lot of callbacks in the movie. It was a nostalgia-based movie. God damn, did we love it. Much like you heard in part one of our Top Gun series last week, this movie had the full cooperation of the Department of Defense. And let me say, Tom Cruise went crazy with this one. No, not TC. He personally designed a three-month aviation training course for actors to handle riding in an F-18. This was legitimately two years of intense flight training condensed into one-eighth of that time. Two-year training in three months. Jesus. But it looks great, though, man. It's it's no CG, everybody. They were in the damn plane. So each time, so they started with, like, what are those little, like the thing you rode with your dad at the... Oh, like prop planes. Yeah, they started with, like, prop planes, and then they moved up, and then they moved up, and then they moved up. <laughs> World War II prop plane. What's next? F-18, let's go, yeah, fuckers. Right, so, but they each kind of were going out flying on their own and stuff, and at the end of each flight, they'd have to fill out these surveys or questionnaires, and it basically was like, what were you comfortable with? What were you not comfortable with? Was there something you struggled with? Anything you were unable to do? And they were like filling these out, and they're like, okay, we're getting paid, whatever. Like, we'll fill these out. But they were like, what's this even for? So then the next time they'd see Tom Cruise, he had fucking read every single one of their questionnaires and was like talking to them wait a minute kevin 
Did Tom Cruise perform a technical Scientology audit? <laughs> Maybe. Whoa. But he would give them like tips or tricks. So he's like, hey, I noticed on May 12th that you couldn't do a barrel roll. Well, here's what I like to do when I do a barrel. And he would like go over it. So he was like their real Top Gun instructor. He literally was. There's minimal green screen, so most of the aerial and cockpit shots are legit from real flying. Obviously, the actors had to take some G-Force training. Another thing the actors were asked to do is nearly everything. The actors playing pilots had to film themselves. You can't ex exactly strap a cameraman to the top of a plane when they're actually flying. So they had to turn cameras inside their cockpit on and off to film. They had to correct their makeup where necessary. And they even had to like adjust their own sound and lighting. Hey, it made it cheaper considering Kevin, how much did they pay per hour for an F-18? Yeah. When they land sometimes after hours of flying, the director would check the footage and decide if they needed to go back up for another take. Asshole. So each take took hours and he's like, eh, you could have furrowed your brows some more. Hey, Hangman, we're going to have to redo that 9G poll. Yeah. There were six specialized IMAX cameras built for an F-18 cockpit. Now, like I said, there wasn't a cameraman strapped to the hood, but there was something developed called a Cinejet to film within the dogfights. So basically this jet could keep up with the action and fly in and out of the dogfights to capture the footage. A souped up sim. Basically, yes. Tom Cruise's whole deal around this movie was that he wanted the audience to see and feel what it was like to be in one of those planes. He would not even sign on for the movie if they couldn't prove to him that there was technology to do that. He was like, the audience needs to be in the cockpit. They need to know what it's like to fly these. Well, I read an interview where initially... He didn't want to do this at all. Yeah. He got a 30 minute pitch from Joe Kaczynski and then he called the studio and greenlit it basically himself, yeah. which is crazy. He would, Tom Cruise specifically, would see some footage and if he didn't think it looked risky or dangerous enough, you know, he would go back and, and make him do it. Or he, like at one point he was pushing a pilot to maneuver lower and lower until he was flying literally 50 feet off the ground. <laughs> the pilot told Tom after, I'm never doing that again, because Tom just wanted to like push the stakes and push the limit. He has a death wish, maybe. He literally is Maverick. But Tom couldn't have been more awesome, like especially to the cast and crew. He encouraged the whole cast to be so much more. He got them skydiving lessons, drifting lessons, dirt bike lessons. Glenn Powell was inspired to get his pilot's license. And when he did so, Tom Cruise had a note waiting for him on the ground that said, welcome to the skies. How awesome is yeah, that? Pretty cool. It was like just in the movie, the rules are not the rules. The accepted boundaries are not the boundaries when Tom Cruise is involved. He's, as you said, the real life Maverick. Originally slated to release July 12, 2019. It was delayed and then COVID happened, delaying it a lot more. Jim, tell us if and how the delay affected budget and current projected box office, along with, honestly, anything else you want to share. So right off the bat, when you watch the movie, right before it kicks off into the opening credits, which gave me goosebumps because they copied the credits from 1986 verbatim. Yeah, it's awesome. Incredible. But it shows you that it's been three years. When Tom Cruise does an introduction at the beginning of the movie, he looks like a haggard roadie that has been out with REO Speedwagon for the past 38 years. Yeah. The age has kind of hit him. Pretty heavy. Top Gun Maverick has a $170 million budget, and as of today, it has eclipsed three. Hundred 
million. It's Tom Cruise's first $100 million opening weekend. And I believe now it is the most successful Memorial Day opening weekend movie ever. Impressive because yeah. the theaters haven't, people haven't really returned in droves after no. COVID. So it's like the return of the summer blockbuster. It's I awesome. Hope it continues. So do I. And also impressive to me that they were able to do this for $170 million. It looked well when I forget where I read that it cost them eleven thousand dollars an hour to rent out the planes for an hour eleven thousand an hour just wrap your head around that well here's something i want to wrap my head around am i allowed to rent an f-18 if i have eleven thousand dollars (laughs) no why not because you don't know tom the father aka tom cruise oh okay that's why you need to have Uh, a connection you know maybe some of that uh, budget is reflected by the lack of cgi you know, they did minimal as little CGI as possible. Practical effects. And that shows you how much that stuff adds up because like for something like a Marvel movie, you know, like all Infinity CG. War, it's all shot in a big empty green warehouse and then all added later. And that adds up. That's man hours of animation and stuff. But Kevin, so this is probably going to go on to probably make, what would you say, 400, 500 million before it's all said and done? Oh, more if it's made 300 in one week. Not July 4th weekend. weekends in another month. Yeah, no, it's going to make seven, 800 million at least. So right off the bat, let's get this question out of the way. You have to pick one. Do you take the original or do you take Maverick? Could you have seen Maverick without seeing the original? I think so. I think you could see Maverick without seeing the original. I think... I, I need to see Maverick more. I liked it. I I've mean, seen it twice now. Yeah, I liked it, but I I can't just go out and be like, it's better. You know, if I did that, there's recency bias. I mean, I will forever love the 80s-ness because oh, yeah. Top Gun wasn't the best movie of the 80s, but it was maybe the most 80s movie. It's very 80s. iconic. Maverick, we'll get to this a little later, but thankfully is, while some elements are like a remake, they definitely went with no it's really a sequel yeah. it's not example star wars 4 1977 and force awakens you know new characters and stuff but essentially very similar yeah and this they were like no we're gonna do a totally different plot we're gonna use like some nostalgia things but now the one thing i appreciated when i went this past monday on memorial day i took my old man my dad's 73 the theater was basically filled with People of his age, of his ilk, 10 to 15 years plus minus. They were getting into it so much during the crescendos of the movie when Rooster comes out of nowhere to save Maverick. These guys sitting next to my dad are high-fiving. I had the woman next to me after Maverick was found surviving. She started crying. Even older generations love this movie because even they have an attachment to the original that they didn't expect to ever have. Well, I mean, what are we, 35 years? Yeah, 86. So it would have been 36. 36 years ago. I mean, these people, if they're 60, you know, they were in their late 20s. Yeah, and we'll talk about one big logic issue that Kevin and I both have a little bit later on about that. Yeah, so uh, interesting thing right now with music, since you normally mentioned number one song is kate bush running up the hill (laughs) recharting from stranger things yeah from stranger things and in this movie of course we get kenny loggins we get danger zone we get the top gun anthem harold faltermeyer kind of made a different riff on it which was nice I'm kind of bummed we didn't get playing with the boys during the uh, dogfight football scene. 
But instead of a Berlin cover, we got Lady Gaga's new song at the end credits, which has grown on me considerably. I like it. Okay, so we very minimal spoilers so far. Uh, I know Jim mentioned a couple, but yeah. your last chance, your last chance before we get into plot heavy. Let's be honest. If you're still here and you haven't watched the movie, it's uh, probably not going to. You're not going to enjoy or you don't care. Yeah. So this movie ended up with over 800 hours of footage over 10 months of filming. Give me that cut. Let's find out what made it into the plot. That's like more footage than the Lord of the Rings movie. It's not a Zack Snyder cut. You think up there you're dead. Believe me. Over 30 years since the events of the first film, Maverick is a U.S. Navy test pilot. Already a surprising development because the last time we saw him, he was going to Top Gun to be an instructor. Maverick has been working on a project called Dark Star. Awesome name. Where the final goal is to reach Mach 10 in a prototype aircraft. They've yet to reach even Mach 9, and Rear Admiral Chester Kane, callsign Hammer, is on his way to pull their funding to give to drone programs. Maverick, though, being Maverick, lifts off before Hammer arrives and achieves Mach 10. But classic Maverick doesn't stop there. After he was warned. Beyond limitation, causing catastrophic loss to the prototype, which I'm sure cost like a billion dollars or something. Hammer, not MC. Wants to permanently ground Maverick and send him into retirement. However, our old pal Iceman, not on screen yet, now commander of the U.S. Pacific Fleet, intervenes and saves Maverick's ass and orders him to return to Top Gun as an instructor. When Maverick arrives, he is assigned to train a team of the best of the best for an urgent mission to bomb an underground uranium enrichment plant that is regarded as a threat to the United States. The plant is located at a geographically projected location in a deep crevice at the end of a canyon guarded by surface-to-air SAM missiles and a nearby airbase equipped with fifth-generation fighter jets as well as outdated F-14 Tomcats and gunships. From an undisclosed country. We'll get into that a little bit later. Maverick develops a plan to strike, which sounds impossible and requires pushing the aircrafts and pilots beyond their capable limits. One of the pilots is Rooster, who is the son of Goose, Maverick's former Rio and best friend who he may or may not have killed. Maverick blocked Rooster's application into the Naval Academy at the request of Rooster's mother before her death. Rooster doesn't know that part. Maverick absorbs all the blame to protect everyone. He doesn't want Rooster to start resenting the life of his mother. Maverick rekindles a relationship with Penny Benjamin, the Admiral's daughter mentioned in the original Top Gun. What a great throwback. I'm not a fan of it. Really? Yeah. You didn't like it. I'm not. Why couldn't it have just been somebody new? Well, it was just a great callback. I think that's why they did it. <laughs> well, you couldn't have had Charlie. No, you couldn't have had Charlie, but like, I, I just wish it would have been someone else because you don't have to call back everything. That's true. Or did you even need to have Maverick have a love interest? Mm-mm. I don't think you did. Maverick also has a heartfelt discussion about Rooster with Iceman, who has throat cancer and communicates by typing. Iceman dies a few days later. Iceman has been protecting Maverick for over 30 years. The commander of the Naval Air Force's call sign Cyclone 
has had it out for Maverick since day one. So literally, do you think this is the first day after Iceman's death? It sure as hell seems They attend like Iceman's funeral and Cyclone instantly removes Maverick, grounds him permanently. Cyclone's like, you're done. It seems like the ultimate dick move, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. No, and there's not time. Not they can't whatsoever. stop. They have to keep it going. Cyclone takes over mission training himself. Up until this point, despite being the best of the best, the pilots haven't been close to proving that they can achieve what the mission's going to take. Cyclone is also a non-believer in Maverick's approach and belief to the mission. So basically, Maverick says that this whole mission has to be carried out in like two minutes and 30 seconds. And otherwise, they're going to be in like deep shit with a dogfight. And, and they the, need to stay under 300 yeah, feet. Yeah, under 300 feet. And then instantly, Cyclone's like, three minutes and 15 seconds and... Higher altitude. Yeah, higher altitude and stuff. So Maverick, during Cyclone's first instruction with the pilots, steals a plane and demonstrates that... Basically, what he's asking his students to do can be done. In 15 seconds. Yeah, faster yeah. than what he's asking. Cyclone, then in a precarious position, appoints Maverick as the leader of the mission. So part of the training was at the end of this thing, they were going to appoint someone as the team leader. Two two-man teams and one wingman. Yeah, so one of those spots gets taken because he gives it. To Maverick, who has proven he can do it. Maverick selects the team of Phoenix and Bob to accompany him along with the team of Payback and Fanboy. And finally selects Rooster over Hangman. Much to the surprise of top pilot Hangman. Hangman and the remaining pilots are put on standby. The team achieves the first part of their mission, bombing the necessary target, but must now navigate Coffin Corner to escape. So basically, once you come out of the canyon, got to be a bunch of planes and missiles waiting. Yes. When Rooster runs out of flares for defense, Maverick sacrifices himself to save Rooster. He ejects, but is now on foot in hostile territory. A gunship is pursuing Maverick, who is on foot. Rooster, instead of heading back to the carrier, saves Maverick, but he's also shot down by surface airmen. Yes. On foot, the two find an undamaged F-14 on the enemy base. Who would have thought? They managed to get the F-14 in the air where they battle two Su-57 5th-gen fighter jets. They managed to shoot down both, but when a third arrives, they have no weapons, no countermeasures, and their ejection functions don't work. At the last moment, Hangman arrives to shoot down the other Su-57. Everyone returns to the base. Maverick and Rooster reconcile. Sometime later, Maverick and Rooster are working together on a P-51 Mustang fighter plane in a hangar, I assume, near where Maverick was previously stationed. Are we also to assume that that's Maverick's house? That hangar, maybe. He just has an abandoned hangar in the middle well, of nowhere? That's where he leaves from to go yeah. to the training at the beginning. Penny arrives with her daughter, and Maverick takes Penny for a ride in in the Mustang now in Maverick's wall of photos with goose is also a photo of Maverick with rooster. With that said, let's move on to cast Tom Cruise as captain Pete Maverick Mitchell, miles Teller as Lieutenant Bradley rooster Bradshaw, Jennifer Connelly as Penelope Penny Benjamin. And they don't really ever go into that story in the first movie. It's like, it's a passing comment off goose. with the Admiral's daughter, daughter. And you lost your qualifications as section leader three times put in hack twice by me with a history of high-speed passes over five air-controlled towers and one admiral's daughter. Penny Benjamin. John Hamm as Vice Admiral Bo Cyclone Simpson, the commander of Naval Air Force. Glenn Powell as Lieutenant Jake Hangman Saracen. So I told you when we saw it the first time, he was being considered for the role of Rooster, which at that time, they let each actor like pick their own call sign. 
And so you had Miles Teller pick Rooster because he's like in the same family as Goose. Goose. It's like a farm bird. Yeah. So he picked Rooster. But Glenn Powell was being considered and they were like, we can't not have this guy in the movie. He is above and beyond, I think, the best in this movie. He's awesome. He's beyond awesome. Lewis Pullman as Lieutenant Robert Bob Floyd. Get ready to be mind blown. Kevin, tell him what up. Bill Pullman's son. Holy shit. Another weird thing in most of Tom Cruise's movies for the past 20 years, there's almost always a character named Bob. So I don't know if maybe Bob is some sort of Scientology thing. (laughs) Because why would he do that? I have no idea. Ed Harris as Rear Admiral Chester Hammer Kane. I was hoping for more Ed Harris. Yeah, same here. I guess the head of the Dark Star program. Val Kilmer as four-star Admiral Tom Iceman Kazansky. We went over him last week. Monica Barbaro as Lieutenant Natasha Phoenix Trace. I've got to give props to Monica. She's awesome. All the pilots who were cast became very competitive in training exercises, like the ones that Tom Cruise designed. At one point, she was pulling up to seven G's while flying on her own. (laughs) So she went for it. She was like, I'm better than you guys. Good thing she didn't get G lock. G unit. Charles Parnell as rear Admiral Solomon Warlock Bates. He kind of comes around. I think on, he does a Maverick. Oh, I think he was always in Maverick's corner, but he couldn't play his cards like that. Yeah. Jay Ellis as Lieutenant Ruben payback Fitch. Danny Ramirez is Lieutenant Mickey Fanboy Garcia. You'll notice that Fanboy is in Star Trek Next Generation font on his helmet. Yes, it is. They don't elaborate on the name, but I'm guessing the character is a big Trekkie. That's kind of like in both Top Gun movies. I want to know where the names came from. Yeah, they never really like I want to know where Slider came from. Iceman's obvious. Yeah. But yeah, I would love to know. Greg Tarzan Davis as Lieutenant Javi Coyote Machado. Manny Jacinto as Lieutenant Billy Fritz Avalon. Jack Schumacher as Lieutenant Neil Omaha Vikander. Bashir Salhuddin as Chief Warrant Officer Bernie Hondo Coleman. Love that dude. Weird thing. That dude's awesome. And he has a very small filmography. But the weird thing is on one of the Top Gun Nintendo games, there was Hondo. But I'm pretty sure that it was the one dude from the last Top Gun movie. But they changed his call sign to Hondo in the video game. Really? Yeah, there's some weird thing with the Hondo call sign. Okay. So they bought, I mean, I don't know if it was just coincidence coincidence, or or they actually borrowed it, but pretty cool. Jake Picking as Lieutenant Brigham Harvard Lennox. Raymond Lee as Lieutenant Logan Yale Lee. They're Harvard and Yale. Liliana Ray as Amelia Benjamin, Penny's teenage daughter. Jean Louisa Kelly as Sarah Kazansky, Iceman's wife. She gets a nice moment. And then let's see. No Rick Rossovich, unfortunately. Anthony Edwards, Meg Ryan, Kelly McGinnis all appear as like flashbacks footage from the first movie with archive footage. So which actor, actress gives a passable performance? Does any non-lead character steal scenes? It's Hangman. Bradshaw. Because I live and breathe. Hangman. You look good. Oh, I am good, Rooster. I'm very good. In fact, I am too good to be true. So, you might know what this uh, special detachment is all about? No, mission's a mission. They don't confront me. What I want to know, who's going to be team leader? And which one of y'all has what it takes to follow me? 
It's Hangman. Hangman. He's the epitome well, of Iceman. He's called Hangman because yeah. he leaves you hanging because he does goes he, and does his own thing. He's a solo fighter. Which pilot. more so is like what Maverick used to do. Yes. So, but he definitely has like more of like the Val Kilmer from Top Gun. Hangman has no Rio though. If you go to like his Twitter page, awesome. Like he's a really like cool dude. Like just how he's like hyping up the movie. Also has a face on him that is almost elastic like Jim fucking Carey. Dude is completely awesome. Like a Jack Nicholson Joker face. Yes, that's it. I really like Phoenix. He told me that the actors would all be in Jets. And I stopped and I was like, wait, we're going to be in the jet flying in these scenes. And he's like, yeah. And I just, I remember I got chills and I got so excited. And also like my heart kind of broke because I was like, oh God, I want this so bad. If I don't get this, I'm going to be so sad because that just sounded like the coolest, coolest thing on earth. After reading more about her too, I really, really like her. So why don't we move on best scenes, Jim? You go first. It's Iceman where he talks to ice in his office. Well, he doesn't really talk. Well, he doesn't so talk. He shows up to Iceman's house because they've been talking through text message and he wants to meet him and see him. And Maverick sees Iceman's wife and he goes in and she tells him it's the, come back. The cancer's come back, which is a great way to be like, Hey, he can't talk. Yeah. That Val well Kilmer can't talk in real life. Yeah. So well, he can, but you can barely hear him. Yeah. So they have a, you go ahead and elaborate because well, the, stealing yours. he goes into the office because he doesn't want to talk about work, but Iceman types on the thing. I want to talk about work. Iceman with his character now knowing that he is basically in a death sentence. Now he wants to have Maverick basically let go and let rooster be. He knows he's holding back because of goose and he like Maverick even says, if I let him go on this mission and he dies, I'll feel horrible. If I don't let him go, he'll resent me either way. I'm afraid to lose him forever because he has always felt responsible and I've made jokes about it that Maverick killed goose, but Maverick feels responsible for goose's death. Throughout this whole movie, he always does a callback to talk to me, Goose. Iceman finally starts convincing him that he needs to start letting go. At that point, Maverick is starting to cry. I'm fucking crying in the movie theater watching this scene. Iceman finally gets up. Maverick says, you know, if it wasn't for you, Ice, I wouldn't even be here right now. I don't know where I'd be without you. And then proceeds to talk. Now, a lot of people initially thought, oh, he was able to talk. No, it was a, a company called Sonance out of England. Took every interview Val Kilmer ever did, every movie, sampled his voice in order for him to talk. So that was all AI driven. It is so powerful. And even in an interview, Val Kilmer even said that hug he had with Maverick. Because I even told you while we were watching it, those tears that he had in his eyes were genuine. Yeah. Like he was so thankful because like I said last week, Tom Cruise did not want to do this movie without Val Kilmer. So he even said Val Kilmer in an interview, he said that it was straight from the heart. Like those tears and me hugging him were very real. It was a very genuine, heartbreaking, heartwarming scene. Loved it. I would tell you what I like about it is that you take a movie that's like action and just sounds and whooshing jets yeah. and guns and, and music. Nonstop. And nonstop, just sounds. And then right about in the middle of it, you have this almost silent scene. You have this tender moment where basically Maverick delivers like a bit of introspection because Iceman's not responding. No. He's just allowing Maverick to just continue Unload. to talk and have almost like this soliloquy because Iceman doesn't have the ability to converse in detail. So it's just this nice like reprieve from just like rockets and missiles and guns and planes and music and all these things. And then you have almost like a, a silent scene. Like but I will say 
I love how they ended it where ice looks at him and says, so who's the best pilot? And he's like, ice, we're having a moment here. Let's not go there. And then they hug again. It was great. So speaking of being great pilots, I have Maverick reaching Mach 10. Ah, so Maverick is this test pilot. It's some sort of like stealth. It is a stealth fighter uh, fighter. And again, they have not reached Mach nine. They have like a month left in their budget or whatever, before the program is going to be reevaluated. They basically get tipped off. Hondo tells them, Hey man, he's coming. He's pulling the plug now. And he's like, we haven't had even a chance to test it. And he's like, well, he's not here yet. So he goes up. I asked you in the theater. I'm like, man, if they did a flight like this, that's got to go like thousands of miles. Cause he basically, the sky is like an endless runway. Yeah. So he gets up in this jet and just keeps pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And you see like 8.1, 8.2, 8.3. You see it clicking. He hits Mach nine. He hits Mach nine. And then he's climbing from nine. He says, come on, come on a little bit more, a little bit more Then Mach 10. And then they even warn him. Hondo, Hondo. tells them, does it need to be 10.1? 10. 10. Does 2. it need to be 10.2? Mach 10 is the goal. So hits Mach 10, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And then you just see almost like an explosion which ejects from, but that's, that's his ass. That's the end of test pilot Maverick. But I do love the scene right after that as he's walking into a small town in his fighter suit, he's singed and he chugs a whole thing of water and he asks, where am I? Oh, that looks seems at him pretty and go, great. Earth. It's great comic relief. And it's sh- a weird thing for a Top Gun movie. Yeah, it's very weird. More like an independence day. Yes. Also, shout out to Hondo. When there were fucking moments that were just deep and serious and you were like, okay, Maverick's going to get shit canned. He always provided a moment of levity. Love Hondo. My next one. Rooster plays great balls of fire as oh, man. Maverick gets thrown out of the bar because Penny runs this bar. It's called the hard deck. It's right on the beach. She has a sign behind her bar that say, if you put your cell phone down on the bar, if you hit on the bartender, you have to buy rounds for everybody. Yeah. So, of course, you Which, know, it's like a whole bullshit thing. Yeah. I have a lot of logic about this. I love the scene. Yeah, because I actually have best scene is the introduction of the new team of pilots. Oh, it's great because it's not like you just get to Top Gun and they're just like Phoenix hangman. Yeah, you pay back fanboy. They don't just point and tell they all you about know each them. other. They don't like it's not like I love best of the best, but in best of the best, they pull all the files and they're like Alexander Grady, you know, history of insubordination. They tell you all about him. This is like you organically see all of these pilots in the bar and he tells you the personality. You see hangman throwing the darts. You see like, three bullseyes. Yeah. You see Bob, you know, it's, it's pretty awesome. Bob is great. But what inevitably happens is Maverick doesn't have the money to pay. Penny rings the bell. So hangman, they throw him out of the bar. Then all of a sudden as Maverick starts to walk away. Rooster starts playing great balls of fire maverick starts looks into the window you shake my nerves and you rattle my brain too much love drops a man insane you broke my will but what a thrill goodness gracious balls of fire i laughed at love because i thought it was funny but you came along and you moved me honey i changed my mind the sun is fine goodness gracious balls of fire Penny notices him staring. And then you start getting flashback scenes of him and goose doing great balls of fire. And I can't stress enough how perfect miles Teller was for this role. He looked like as if Anthony Edwards had a kid. He had the music down to a perfect key. It's on the soundtrack, but it was a great throwback scene. Once again, not afraid to admit it cried during this scene too. So why like the rules in the bar, you can't be expected to just spot some little sign. I don't understand. It says you can't put your cell phone down on the bar. 
in modern day times, yeah. you're going to have to pay around for fucking, even Maverick had and no money for it. How could you possibly pay for that many people? I don't think she ever expected him to. I think it was the rib. Him. But we noticed it happened to somebody else yeah. too, even though you don't elaborate on that next scene, but well, still. So the other logic thing that I'll just bring up here is, so Hangman and I don't know who else, they all remove him from the bar. They throw him outside. They call him old timer, but he's wearing... It says Captain Pete Mitchell Top Gun. Yeah, so wouldn't they know he's someone they might know he not know he's their instructor but they would know he's someone yes well you know we'll bring it up here you brought up that point of logic and you mentioned this last week they do acknowledge there were other top gun classes because there's pictures everywhere this time and of course hangman plays the dick move and finds out why maverick and rooster have the issues because of goose maverick and roosters i saved your life exchange another like comic relief loved it after both being shot down, followed by... So they use countermeasures in this movie, which they don't use in the original Top Gun. A lot of, I don't think they even had chaff. They shoot, yeah, they shoot chaff. They shoot flares out of the back of their jet. So when the missile is target locked and goes to shoot you, you shoot flares out. The missiles hit the flares, not your jet. When they're in Coffin Corner, Rooster is out of countermeasure. So Maverick flies in front of a missile, sacrifices himself for Rooster, and then Maverick goes down. He's getting chased by this gunship. And all of a sudden, here comes Rooster. Rooster saves him, but gets shot down. And this whole speech, I wish we could play it, but this whole speech where it's like, I saved your life. You leave. You should be back in the carrier. And he's like, no, I saved your, but I saved your life. And he's like, that's not how it works. You taught me not to think. Yeah. So then following that, they are in hostile enemy territory. They need a way out. Luckily there's a, so part of the mission parameters involved basically bombing the runway. That's the initial strike. So that, yeah, the initial strike is bombing the runway, which prompted them to to fly through the canyon and all that, which once they did that, the enemy fighters couldn't necessarily scramble if their runway has been destroyed. But luckily there's an F-14 that has not been destroyed. It's sitting in its own little hangar. Perfect. And they fuel it up and they get it all ready and they're able to fly it. So then they're in the sky and F-14. They know they're going to encounter bandits. Bandits. There's and sure enough, two fifth generation fighters and something Maverick's been preaching this whole time is it's not your aircraft. It's the person in it. Yep. It's the pilot. So basically Rooster reminds him of that. It's, you know, it's you. It's not the plane. And miraculously, an F-14 shoots down Splash one. two fifth generation fighters. And also during that dogfight, th- I loved this scene. The move that the one fifth generation fighter makes when they shoot a missile at it. Yeah. It's like, I, I wouldn't even call it like a cartwheel. It's like the plane. Almost literally hit the brakes and they flew right by. Yeah. But even Rooster goes, what the fuck? Fuck. Yeah, it's like one of those like centrifugal machines that has yeah. like the rings because it's literally just spinning on every axis at once. It's like the first time you see Pax Black Arrow, what's yes. it called in, in AEW, because it's like this. It's gravity spinning defying. and flipping at the same time, this move that this jet makes. And I'm thinking about the pilot and I'm like, how disorienting would it be? They're like doing like a barrel roll upside down and twisting like all at once. It's like so bizarre, but it's awesome. I love that scene because they, like you said, Rooster's like, what the fuck was that? There's two great moments within that scene. The first one where they notice the bandits are there. And then Maverick's like, just follow me. Like, put your mask on. And he looks over at the bandit and waving at him. He's like, Bruce, like, what does that mean? I have no <laughs> idea what the hell he's mean. So there's just mimicking. Yeah. And then the whole time, then he gets into attack formation 
And I also love the, it's a really touching moment where Rooster's like overwhelmed because it's so old. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing. And Maverick's like, okay, we got to get the radio on. And there's fuses everywhere. He's like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then Maverick, just this throwaway line goes, that's not me. That's what your dad used to do. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, I lo- every callback to Goose always got me choked up. So my next one will be at the very end of that. They splash two fighters. They're basically out of weapons, out of ammo, no chaff. Here comes a bandit dead ahead, launches a missile. They somewhat evade it. And then they realize they're doomed. Yeah. So he tells them, I'm going to climb. You eject. Get the hell out of here. Maverick basically saying, you need to live, kid. It's my fault. And as he's climbing, he's like, I'm sorry, Goose. And then out of fucking nowhere, the enemy fighter launches its missile. But as soon as the missile almost leaves, enemy fighters destroyed. And through the fire, here comes Hangman. Yeah. And what's the first thing the hangman says? That's the second person I've killed in flight now because he has this perfect cocky attitude. And then we get the final scene where they land on the aircraft carrier and it's almost a you can be my wingman anytime thing. And it just the everybody Maverick gets vindicated. Everybody's hugging. Everybody's celebrating. Like I said, I was in a movie theater with older people. These guys were standing up high five and I had a woman whooping next to me. (laughs) It was such an awesome experience. And I just finally I can say that I'm no longer going to blame Maverick for Goose's death. He's vindicated in my book. Okay, but were the old timers in the theater with you, were they wearing only jeans all oiled up on the beach? (laughs) They were covered in sand, which is weird. Uh, One had a football. So originally they have like, it's a month, in order to completely train for this mission. Three weeks. Three weeks to completely train for this mission carried out because essentially they're bringing uranium to this facility and then it's going to go live. And they got to do it before that. So they've got three weeks. Well, then you find out the targets changed. Yep. They have a week less. <laughs> so one day they're supposed to be in class doing this uh, stuff and no one's there. And Maverick has taken everyone to the beach. And much like the first movie, they're not playing volleyball, but it is like golden hour. Yep. And they're playing football, beach football, offense and defense at the same time. Dogfight football. Dogfight football. Which is like clusterfuck. It looks like a mess, but they're having a great time and when cyclone finally shows up and and questions maverick about what he's doing maverick says uh because cyclone makes some comment to maverick at one point like i I expect you build a team yeah and so when he asks him he's like well i'm building a team but that scene's awesome it's it's very much like the throwback to the first one but not the same but they found a way to uh to do it Similar, but different. The last thing I want to mention is, so the actual, I think it's the first day of training at Top Gun. So Maverick basically is going to show these pies. He's going to knock them down a peg. Big time. He's showing all of them. You're not as good as you think you are. And he tells them that you're not as good as you think you are. And basically they have to do the old training hop like he did with Viper and hard deck everything, but they cannot even come near him. He's like way better than them. But the, so the first movie has like bromance and some like eroticism about some things. And I think the most like erotic moment of this movie is when two of the planes are in formation and Maverick shoots up between their wings. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that'd get him like grounded permanently. Not just that. I'm like, wouldn't it have been a jet wash yeah, issue right. again. He, he shoots himself up in between two planes and Jesus. like tags their wings. Yeah. So that one. All right, let's, uh, sure. Let's have David McCall. He could have been uh, goose's son. It all could have been different. Mr. Walker. You should have allowed nature to take its course. This isn't traditional logic, just uh, questions, logic, open discussion about the movie. I've got to go first. Yes, please. Jim, this seems like something you would have noticed, and I'm surprised you didn't say anything. Oh. 
Now, this is a sequel to Top Gun, but it's essentially a remake of Iron Eagle 2. In both movies, the mission is to bomb a weapons facility in a hostile country, but the name of the country is never mentioned. There's actually a ton of similarities to Iron Eagle 2. It's been so long since I've seen Iron Eagle 2. It's this. So he basically ripped off Iron Eagle 2. They basically ripped the plot off Iron Eagle 2. Shit. They have to like destroy a weapons facility, get in, get out a weapons facility. And there's some other similarities yeah. if you want to take the dive, but essentially it's got the same plot. So I'm hoping then there's a Top Gun 3 that's like Iron Eagle 3 because there's four Iron Eagle movies. Which is crazy. Which is nuts. Totally unnecessary. My big one. The number one. Kevin and I brought up last week when we started shooting the breeze what this movie could be about. There is absolutely no way shape or form that rooster is any less than should be 40 years old probably because you look at the scene in top gun where it's maverick and goose playing great balls of fire he's sitting on top of the piano they acknowledge him sitting on top of the piano in this movie in a flashback scene you had to figure that kid is four or five years old 36 years later he would be 40 years old okay so i'll play devil's advocate still doesn't make it better let's say in 86 when the first movie takes place, he's two. So that puts him bored in 84, which puts him 37 now. Got to think this movie was delayed three years. Yeah. But, but that it came still out makes him 35 years old. Yeah. And you can subtract four years because Maverick prevented him from getting the, the Naval, Naval Academy. Academy. So take four years off his career. Still too old. Yeah. When you got to go deep math like that to legitimize. Still too old. I mean, when a kid is clearly in his late 20s. Yeah. Now, if this had been released 10 years ago, a different story. We're fine. Yeah. So uh, speaking of that, I, I feel like there's a great balance of nostalgia versus being a new movie. Like I said, they nod their cap a few times to the original, but they allow it also to be its own movie it's got its own plot yeah. like the things like tom cruise going into the diner maverick going in the diner and the kid tells him he's on earth and then like some of the comedy is much different feel than the first movie yeah most know? definitely like uh but they still give nods so i want to mention again the name of the enemy is never stated so we don't know if it's the same enemy as the first movie or a different enemy. we don't know if it's quote-unquote russians we have no so idea. there's snow but it borders an ocean there is an impressive military budget because they have all the fifth generation fighters and all these other things. The only country to ever fly F-14s other than the United States was Iran. I don't know enough about Iran to know if they have snow, but they border the Arabian Sea. Maybe could be Iran. Possibly. But, or Iran, depending on yeah, how you however want you want to say it. Proper nomenclature. Yes, but, uh, so maybe, but I, I would think if this was Iran or Iran, that's not who, I, I still think it was the Russians in the first one. I definitely think it was it's the Soviets. Iran in this one. So let's talk about the quote-unquote Iranian snow scene, it's more specifically, Maverick running from the gunship. Mm -hmm. Now, this gunship, big MF and gunship, huge. This thing is loaded to the gills with weapons. This gunship goes weapons hot. And it's very maneuverable. Very maneuverable. Maverick jumps over a dead tree. Somehow, the machine gun fodder was not able to penetrate the tree. Yeah, right? So this thing comes around, yeah. spots him. This thing has missiles. Yeah. It has bombs on it. All they had to do was launch one missile. Maverick goes bye-bye. It could have been real easy. I, I, 
that whole scene is so weird because again, they destroyed the runway, which did they not destroy any of the things that were there? Let's say this gunship was not at that facility and it came from elsewhere. How did it find Maverick so easily? Exactly. He was on foot. He didn't have a tracking device on him. They just immediately see him and locate him. And the one thing you brought up too, when they were in the trench run, you're like, how are they able to see Sam's going at that speed? It's so crazy because like they're talking to each other. They're like, Sam, there's another one. Look at that. That one it's like it's not like you're in a car going 35 miles they're per flying hour at 900 it. knots yeah they're flying 900 <laughs> knots and twisting every like yeah second at seven g's and they're just like all right look at the maybe they just do so much training i guess slows down for them like hitting a uh, major league fastball in the original charlie tells maverick he'll never be happy unless he's doing a mock 10 with his hair on fire sure enough as a test pilot his goal is mock 10 of course so that's another yeah call back to the original okay my big how in god's name during the funeral scene you have maverick you know stomping the wings into Iceman's casket he's doing a salute he's crying why in god's name because i was waiting for it and it didn't happen don't you have slider come up and put his arm around mav and go yes hey mav slider was Iceman's best friend was his Rio. That man alone was responsible for saving Iceman's life on countless occasions. How the hell, as the director of the film, do you not reach out to Rick Rossovich and go, hey man, I got a cameo role for you. Of course, I had to research it. When the 35th anniversary edition of Top Gun came out on Blu-ray, they interviewed Rick Rossovich. He literally teased it, but he was never asked. And he said, Slider might show up in the sequel. It's possible. I don't know. Maybe it's a secret. We'll see. If not, get the VHS. In this 800 hours of footage shot, when the Blu-ray and the 4K come out, you know it's, there's going to be an extended edition. Will we be surprised if Slider is in in this movie but they cut him out of it which i think would be a grave injustice to cut out it's not like rick rossovich yeah. is he's on a set of roxanne too he's not <laughs> so i have logic with something you just said and maybe i just heard you wrong maverick's gonna come out on vhs you said get the vhs no that's okay. what rick rossovich okay. saying get All the right. vh he was saying jokingly yeah. as in yeah okay because yeah. i was like i hope it comes out of VHS. yeah something else to tack on to that that i had very intimate funeral so something that's always like a movie trope is at any time there's a character funeral in a movie, the people at the funeral are always like the people involved in the story. But I'm like, would these best of the best Top Gun pilots that he's currently training, would they really be at the funeral for Iceman? See, I thought about that. He is the commander of the Pacific Fleet. Yeah. So it's kind of official. Even at that point. You'd think the president would be there. Yes. Because he's the commander right. of the Pacific they, but Fleet. But no, it's a very intimate funeral with people that don't really seem like they need people. to be there. And yeah. But also, it seems like everyone would be there. I really love that this movie acknowledges the need for pilots is dwindling because a logic issue with the entire plot of this movie is none of this works this way. So they no. wrote the plot specifically around a mission that must be manned by pilots. Yeah, because even Ed Harris's character yeah. mentions your instinct. Yes. There's these guys are going to be unmanned. You know, pilots need to eat. They need to go to the bathroom. They need to sleep. That's why it's uh, it's cool that they acknowledge that head on. They don't try and like, you know, get out of it or leave people wondering. They, they literally like face it head on and they designed a mission. And I'll just go ahead and say the sequence that they must fly in the 230, the mission is crazy. So whoever wrote this or designed this idea, it's awesome. It's two teams who must do, it's to call it like a slalom. They have to fly yeah. through this canyon and it's like left, right, right, left, 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 left,
tipping and back and forth. High G's. They must do it at like a hundred feet elevation, which you see in, in trading, they're struggling to even do 300 feet. So they have to do it a hundred feet elevation. And that is in order to avoid the SAMs because the surface to air missiles, if you go over a certain height, it was 500 will, feet. F- will fire on you. They'll see you with a radar. So they have to stay at a hundred feet. They have to make an like, so they go up this little hill and must turn and make an inverted dive down the hill, which is nuts. And then as soon as they get like oriented from the inverted dive, they have to laser lock on a target and the targets, what like the size of a refrigerator, it's like a or vent. Something. Yeah. It's literally a, a it, and the rocket goes right through a yeah. vent. Yeah. It's a throwback to star Wars, yes. but there's this tiny little target. It's like the size of a refrigerator. They have to get a laser lock on it, fire the bombs through the air duct, whatever it is. And then they have to instantly climb pulling 10 G's. And if they get over that pulling 10 G's, almost a a straight vertical climb, then there's more surface to air missiles. And by this point, bandits, bandits, because they destroyed the airstrip, they know they're there. So basically in a way it's like a suicide mission because they wouldn't assume you could actually get out of the dogfight. Well, Cyclone even doesn't expect a lot of people come back from this. Right. Even well, says so. And when they're training to do the climb alone, there's a whole scene where Coyote blacks out. Goes into G-lock. He goes into G-lock because of the climb. It's a 10G, you know, and it's like you're only supposed to pull seven or something, they say. And he pulls like 10 Gs and he blacks out. And then they save him because Maverick is missile, missile lock on him. Woke so him up. that it beeps and he wakes up and he survives. But then immediately bird strikes bird through the uh did you think those two were gonna die i'm like here comes the goose moment yep i'm like phoenix is gonna die and i I like her so cyclone seems the most hypocritical leader of this whole well i shouldn't well i guess he is kind of the the leader of this this hop for a guy who graduated number one in his top gun class in 1988 he just not have any like hope he is immediately thinking this is a do mission it's not gonna work you think somebody who was that great to be number one in his Top Gun class would have more of an ability to go, this is achievable. Maverick even says, I was second in my class. Well, it's it's so strange because anywhere you work or whatever, there are people who do things, everything exactly by the book. Yeah. And there's people who think outside the box, try to do things differently. But his stance of like increasing the parameters because even the students are looking at each other like, not going to work. Like, no, because we're not going to be able to beat them in a dogfight. They're going to get killed by surface air missiles if they're too high. If they're not there fast enough by the time they uh, bomb the runway, then there's going to be fighters shooting them down, waiting for them. I mean, it's like everything about his plan is not going to work. So they launch those Tomahawk missiles before they engage the trench run. Wouldn't those Tomahawk missiles trigger those SAMs to fire? Because they're going to above 500 feet those tomahawks yeah don't you think they would i mean i'm not not a weapon specialist but maybe that's that's a good point yeah but maybe they're designed in a way to where they don't fire on themselves maybe it's a different radar temperature yeah they have some sort of um signature yeah so after this movie do you think maverick stops flying you think he's done you think he i think he has nothing left to prove yeah I think it was a great indicator at the beginning when they brought him into Top Gun and he said, you were instructor, but he's like, yeah, I did it for two months and I I quit. Yeah. Which is like, like dude, you worked that much to get to that point. He hated it. Yeah. Because the whole running gag was with all the authority figures is you should be a two-star admiral. You should be a senator and here you are captain yeah and even by the end warlock says as he's going up on the flight deck you are where you need to be yeah he's like captain kirk captain kirk got promoted not to deviate into star trek got promoted to admiral 
And everybody's like, Jim, why? You have to be the captain of a starship. Same with Maverick. He's a captain. Yeah. He's a perfect captain. So interesting fact, at the end of the movie, you know, we see him and Rooster and Penny and stuff. Penny. And uh, Penny. And that Mustang, it's his. Beautiful. It's Tom Cruise's plane. Wait, it's legit his yeah. plane. Makes yeah. perfect sense. So after the original Top Gun movie, he got like head first into flying. He can fly helicopters. He's like Jay Leno with planes. He, you know, can do all of it. So that's actually his own personal Mustang. Now with so. this probably going to make over $500 million. I think Maverick as a character, he's gotten every, he's got the woman, he's got a family now. He's a family man. He's got nothing left to prove. Do you continue this franchise? Say Top Gun Rooster. That's exactly Top Monk Hangman. I can show you. I have that in my notes. Yes. So call me crazy, but I think I would want a Top Gun Hangman or a Top Gun Phoenix or even a Top Gun Rooster. Now yes. my wife said she would want Top Gun Rooster. I'd rather see Hangman or Phoenix. At this point, Phoenix would be interesting just because the Phoenix female, would be great. You know? Hangman and Rooster no longer have any animosity. Right. It's the Maverick Iceman end of the first movie. So you have Rooster and Hangman. One's going to be a real one's not going to be not. I think a studio is going to you're fucking nuts that this movie makes nearly half a billion dollars and there's not going to be a greenlit sequel for it. I mean, yes, that's true with movies, but it's also a matter of do you want to do that? You know, yeah. Because again, the whole plot of this movie is it's, that pilots are obsolete. So you'd almost have like a few years down the road. What if uh, cyclone and hangman are training video gamers to fly drones and it's all about drone missions or whatever you make Maverick, the commander of the Pacific fleet or do yeah. something. And then rooster basically becomes your new default Maverick. Yeah. Cause he learned from Pete, Pete. Yep, just Pete. They call him Pete a lot more in this movie. Also, shout out to Bob. What a great call sign. Yeah, Bob. Bob. Bill like Pullman. I said, 20 years of movies and yeah. uh, and he insists on putting Bob in all of them. So. Also, what was bummed out was the ability of to not see Michael Ironside in this movie. And I know. Weirdly enough, it's because him and Jerry Bruckheimer had a falling out years ago. And he thinks that's why he was never asked to be in the sequel. <sighs> Weird. Which is nuts. Uh, Tom Skerritt's 88. That's, yeah. I mean, he's just too old. And right. All right. Anything else you want to mention before we close the book on Maverick? Guys, if you haven't seen it, go see it multiple times. It's finally the first summer blockbuster in over two years. Well, yeah, you have Fast and Furious. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. But I mean, in droves like yeah. this. Phenomenal. Guys, go see it. It's an awesome movie. Bring your parents if they have nostalgia with the original. You don't necessarily need to see the original to see this movie because there are throwback scenes. It's awesome. I loved it. Cried three times. Well worth it. If anybody goes to an AMC theater, send Kevin and I the popcorn buckets and the cups. We'll send you the money. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, please do that. So I'm not going to spoil it and reveal what we're doing, but uh, next week we're trading in our airplanes for a school bus. Yeah. Going uh, from Ohio to Washington, D.C. via bus. <laughs> yeah, definitely change pace. Been fun. This is our first direct like two-part series like this that wasn't like a deep end. We uh, immediately followed Top Gun with Maverick. I'd like to see, Ma I'd like to see Maverick drive-in it's just so hard to get to the drive-in yeah it's very difficult but like it'd be fun to see it at the drive-in it's getting to the point where it's too difficult to go anywhere considering gas is almost five dollars a gallon yeah. now well all my co-workers are trying to have me we just had the lights flash in here yep. there's uh, maybe some storms incoming my one co-worker he wants me to go and talk to the brass and see if they'll let us uh, work from home a couple days a week that's cool there's really no reason not to be able to work from home like in my job because i can do everything i can do in the office at home pretty much and i'm willing to go in if they're for 
is any reason I need to. But ultimately, I can work from home. If we can work from home like two days a week, we should do that. Yeah, I agree. Because gas, like you said, $5 sucks. You know, it sucks. All right. Well, before power goes out and we lose our episode, we're going to go ahead and uh, say call sign Silencia. Silencia.